All right, everyone, thanks for joining us. My name is Emily Bothell, and I'm the Senior Associate Transportation Planner for the MPO of Johnson County. For those of you unfamiliar with the MPO, we are a federally mandated transportation programming and policy making organization for the county. We channel federal funding for transportation projects and programs to our local entities. And we also take part in local planning and programming for area roads, transit, and bike and ped facilities. So to find out more about our organization, please visit our website, um, which I did post in the chat box, or you can always reach out to Sarah Walls or myself. Um, with that, I'm going to pass it over to my colleague, Sarah Walls, who's going to talk more about the Trails to Table Challenge and introduce our guest, um, Brad Friedhoff. Great. Thank you, Emily. Um, I'm Sarah Walls. I'm also with the MPO. I'm an Associate Transportation Planner. Um, the Trails to Table Challenge, this is a, we're in unprecedented times and we're just trying to uh, keep people motivated. We know you can't do a lot of the things that you the things that get us through the week, going to the gym, going to the library, going out to eat, all that kind of fun stuff. But we have this incredible trail system. And so um, the MPO, we're an organization that assists the local communities, including portions of Johnson County with um, transportation planning. And we've had a tradition for the last 10 years of um, having a friendly competition between the staff um, with the different communities. So Coralville, North Liberty, Iowa City, University Heights, Tiffin, um, raising money. We would each pick a charity and raise money before the Christmas holiday. Um, and it was a little bit of a competition. And, and COVID sort of put a, a little bit of a damper on that because people are working from home and things. So the MPO staff, and there are just five of us here, we said, um, well, let us try something new this year. So let's do a real focus on trails. We knew trail usage was way up this year and, and Brad will probably talk a little bit about that as well. And we said, let's try to motivate people to stay out on the trails because we know um, we know that's a safe place to be. You can be out there with friends, you know, mask, social distance, do all the things you're supposed to do, but outside is the safe place to be. And um, it turns out this week, it's a beautiful place to be. Mm -hmm. so we thought, let's do that. And we'll also ask people to help us out and make donations to our local food banks, the food banks in Iowa City, Coralville and North Liberty, um, because we know that that need is there and it's gonna continue for a while. So we've provided links here and there. Um, you'll find it on our Facebook page, on our Instagram, um, also on the MPO um, mpojc.org page. If you scroll to the bottom, you'll find a trails to table link and you can go to our um, donation um, page on the um, Community Foundation of Johnson County and they'll split the money between the food banks. So please, please, please do that. We really wanna help the food banks. We also wanna hear from people. We hope you're posting to your social media about your trips on the trails for whatever it might be, for bird watching, for skiing, for snowshoeing, for walking your dog, whatever you're doing, um, be posting about it, be encouraging people to get outside. So I've, I've gotten my introduction out of the way and we're really excited today to have Brad Friedhoff here with Johnson County Conservation. Um, I was just chatting with Brad a little bit beforehand. He's been around to see um, a lot of the trail development that the county has done and um, the next few years are going to be really exciting for Johnson County because um, we're making some major trail connections that will allow people to ride all the way across the metro, east to west, north and south, and into Lynn County. And um, Brad is going to talk us through all that today. So welcome, Brad. Yes. Well, thank you, Sarah and Emily and Kent and everybody from the uh, MPO of Johnson County. Uh, we really appreciate this opportunity to share the great things that we think we're doing uh, that connect us all. And, you know, I, I always thought this title was excellent because uh, when I think of trails, I think of tables. Uh, I'm gonna ride from one community to the next and maybe stop in and have a hamburger or have something else. So these are real connections um, and trails to table. This is a double entendre here. We're trying to uh, make sure, sure people have food on their tables but also uh, the opportunities that exist for all the trail users out there uh, to visit communities um, and new places throughout uh, our region to explore uh, the, the economics of those small downtown businesses, big downtown businesses that are out there. Because we know the impacts 
uh, COVID has had on our businesses. So we need to support our local businesses. So uh, I'm going to jump right into, uh, I put together a PowerPoint here to kind of, since we all can't be together out on the trails right now to kind of show you guys uh, some of the things that we've got going on here. And give me a second here. There we go. So um, when we talk about uh, trails, uh, you know, Iowa City, Coralville, North Liberty, all of our communities throughout Johnson County are doing phenomenal things with trails. Uh, we're fortunate and the county level to be the connector. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as the links between these communities um, to allow people to explore, to adventure, to get out and recreate and exercise. Um, things that really came to the forefront when uh, COVID hit us is when gyms closed down, our trails picked up immensely. So we're going to talk about some of the trail connections that we're working on uh, here in Johnson County. So my first slide I'm going to start with, uh, we're going to look at uh, the completed trails that we've got done. Uh, and as Sarah mentioned, uh, I started down here in 2002. Uh, the county really got started in trails in roughly the year 2000. And Secondary Road started that with the Dubuque Street Trail. Um, when I came down here in 2002, I started out as a naturalist for Johnson County. So I was doing education and outdoor uh, uh, recreational skill type of training and teaching. And so in 2014, I switched positions. I became the conservation program manager. Um, and one of the tasks that I've been assigned as that position is to work on the development of trails. So we've kind of taken off uh, with what other parts of the county have done. Um, we couldn't have done any of this without the, the forethought of the county board of supervisors and the trail committee they had put together. Uh, they had done a lot of groundwork to think about where trails should go, um, priorities, things like that. And then when we came aboard in uh, 2014, um, it was really about getting some of those plans to become a reality. So let's talk about some of those realities. Um, on the, the screen here, I don't, can you guys see my mouse, Sarah? Uh, yeah. So at the very top here, I'm gonna start. This is a completed, completed trail. This is the Hoover Trail. We'll show some more slides about it later. Uh, this is a projected trail corridor. This is the Hoover Trail going from Solon all the way to West Branch. Uh, continuing across the I-80 here, you'll see a lot of connections. This is a, a proposed trail. This is along, would be along the Herbert Hoover Highway, which was just recently redone. And hopefully we've got enough room in the right of way there but to create a potential link between West Branch and Iowa City. Um, through Iowa City, Coralville, University Heights, North Liberty, there are all kinds of trail links. Um, I, I think it's on my PowerPoint right now, but if you get the MPO trails map, it shows you all those uh, trail corridors in there. So those then connect us across the, there you go, Sarah's got it for us. Um, yeah, and if anybody wants one, contact us. Yes, and we do have some out here at Kent Park as well. But then once we get through the metro area, uh, we get on the west side of Johnson County and you'll see the completed Clear Creek Trail um, right here, uh, which is, we'll talk about a little bit later. Then proposed pieces coming out from uh, Half Moon Avenue where we're, we, end right now to Kent Park, eventually to Oxford, and hopefully someday to the Amana Colonies. Um, the last one that is on this map that I'll show is the Dubuque Street and the Mahaffey Bridge Trail. So those two are part of the Iowa River Trail. The Dubuque Street Trail segment uh, was completed uh, in pieces, but it started way back in 2000 before I was even here in Johnson County. But our Secondary Roads Department and Board of Supervisors um, really focused in on that one to get the trails program started here in Johnson County, and they did a phenomenal job. So, uh, like I said, we've got the Hoover Trail at the top completed. We've got the Dubuque Street and Mahaffey, which are part of the Iowa River Trail completed, and we've got a segment of the Clear Creek Trail completed. So those are the completed portions. Priorities really fall onto the Hoover Trail, extending the Clear Creek Trail to Kent Park, and then potentially, depending on uh, funding opportunities and, and the whims of everybody that's involved, um, this West Branch connection, okay? And we'll talk about that. Uh, in the future, there's possibilities of following 965 going up to, to Lynn County. Uh, the Johnson County Board of Supervisors are supreme, uh, supremely uh, supportive, extremely, I should have said, supportive of wide shoulders 
and looking at new routes. And so there's a lot of wide shoulders going down between heels um, and then back up um, and then even going over to West Liberty. So there's a lot of opportunities. We just have to see where they all play out. So I'm gonna go to the next slide here. So the first trail I'm gonna talk about is uh, the Iowa River Trail, which is uh, extends from Iowa City, the south side of Iowa City, all the way up through North Liberty. Now, because that's such a long trail, we usually break this up into segments. <clears throat> and so this is what we call or refer to as the Iowa River Trail Dubuque Street segment. So to the south of us on this map, if you can see way at the bottom, you'll see the Butler Bridge, which goes over the Iowa River. Uh, south of this, Iowa City does all the maintenance through here. Um, right off the map, you'll see the Waterworks Park where Iowa City is listed. There's a beautiful parking lot right there. We get a lot of uh, bicyclists, hikers, uh, dog walkers that will stop there. And then they will hike this entire thing uh, all the way up to uh, North Liberty. So this is uh, started, like I said, in 2001. Uh, the first segment went from the Butler Bridge up to West Overlook. And let me see if I can find the West Overlook Road. It's really difficult on here. Um, but anyway, the West Overlook Road, which goes out to the dam. Once that was completed, then in uh, 2010, they completed the next segment from there up to 275th Street, which is the top of this map. And then a third segment was completed in 2011 and 2012, going from 275th Street all the way into North Liberty. At that time, uh, the city of North Liberty had not annexed that park. The new high school wasn't there. Uh, but since then, that has all been annexed and the city of North Liberty uh, now um, manages and maintains that segment. So you can see this is a, a pretty um, urbanized segment of trail. There's a lot of uh, housing along here. Uh, we have Iowa City to the south, we have Corville to the west, we have North Liberty to the north and the new high school. So because of all of this activity, um, it's a commuter route, it's a, a route for kids to get to school. This is one of the few trail segments that Johnson County clears in the winter months. And so when we get uh, one inch of snow or more, we will go out there and we will uh, remove snow the best as possible uh, from this uh, trail corridor. And this is roughly 3.3 miles for us. And um, when we have heavy snowfall years, that's very difficult because this is in the right of way of, the, of Dubuque Street. And so there's limited space where we can put that uh, snow. So um, I'm hoping this first eight inches is maybe the max we get for the winter, right? No? Okay. Um, but uh, if we'll continue to clear that, um, and so there isn't a lot of other winter recreation activities you can do on here other than ride fat tire bikes and bikes because we do remove the snow from that. So that is the, the, the first one. Um, the next one, and this is where I really got heavily involved was the Hoover Nature Trail. And uh, Sarah, Emily, jump in if there's any questions that pop up as we go along. The Hoover Nature Trail has been, um, in consideration for a long time. This was part of an old railroad corridor that ran from Burlington, Iowa, all the way up through Cedar Rapids. And so um, people have long considered this uh, a rails to trails conversion. Uh, it just never got enough traction to get done. And so uh, one of the first projects uh, I took on or the conservation board took on was completing a segment of the Hoover Nature Trail uh, into Johnson County. So as you, you can see, it goes from Solon, which is down here where my cursor is in the lower right-hand corner, all the way up to just south of Ely, which is uh, in the upper left-hand corner of this uh, map. And it runs uh, roughly six miles. Um, and you can see where uh, at the top of the map, this is actually the Lynn and Johnson County line. So uh, Lynn County had already completed and uh, what they call the Cedar Valley Nature Trail, Cedar Valley Nature Trail, all the way down to the Johnson County line. Then once it hits the Johnson County line, it becomes the Hoover Nature Trail. Uh, they had already completed all of their work. And so in 2014, we started all of the planning. You can see it took us four years to get all the planning work done. Uh, and there are several reasons for that. Um, first of all, all this green land along here is uh, US Army Corps of Engineers. So that's federal land. Um, six miles is also very costly. And it roughly, um, when we do estimates, we like to say 
it's roughly costs us a million dollars a mile to construct a hard surface asphalt or concrete trail. And so uh, when we first started looking at doing this and we were talking to DOT and other potential funding sources, they said, you're really gonna need to break that into some phases to make it easier to uh, budget and to complete. And so we broke that into three phases and I'll show those here in a minute. Um, we have actually just this year completed the third phase of that. And so this entire section is now completed except for one little underpass um, right here at um, the Ely Road, I should say right there. And that will be done when the road project is completed. Now, um, I'll get into more details on the Hoover Trail in a minute, but I also wanted to mention that this segment of trail also gets a lot of snowmobile use. There's a lot of snowmobile use. Um, and so because we like to allow multiple use, uh, this is a multi-use trail, we try to accommodate as many different users as possible. So not all of our trails allow uh, snowmobiles on. There's only two trail segments which are designated to allow snowmobiles. One of them is from Solon to Polk Avenue, which is right here. The other is the Mahaffey Bridge Trail. And they have to have four inches of snow on there. And they must have uh, tracks on their snowmobiles that are stud free. And so um, we're trying to accommodate as many different user groups out there as possible. The, the rest of the trail is open for fat tire bikes, uh, snowshoers, cross country skiers. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a little more depth here in a little bit. So uh, let's get into a little bit more in depth on the Hoover Trail and what it all uh, entailed. So this is the first segment uh, or phase of the Hoover Trail. So the, down here on the lower left is the Solon Nature Recreation Area. The great thing about this area, it's got a beautiful parking lot uh, for all of our cyclists, uh, trail runners, walkers, whatever to utilize. There's plenty of parking there. Um, the city of Solon is actually in the process of building a splash pad right there at our trailhead. Um, there are ball diamonds, so there's all kinds of any recreational activity you can probably think of are located here. Now you'll note on this map that there's a red line, which is our, uh, the county's uh, Hoover Trail, which is a hard surface trail, and then 10 inch or uh, 10 foot wide, um, six inch concrete, and then there's a yellow line on this map. The yellow line on this map is the original North Shore um, limestone, chip limestone trail that goes from Solon out to Lake McBride State Park. Now, when we started first planning this, um, our thought was, oh, we'll just replace that. You know, it's a chip, chip limestone. That's hard to maintain. They'll want to get rid of that. But once we started talking to all the, the people in that area, there was a real desire to keep that for people that um, maybe want a softer surface to run on. Uh, as well as snowmobilers. A lot of snowmobilers would ride from Solon out to Lake McBride, uh, and they liked that softer surface underneath the snow. They didn't uh, really prefer uh, the hard concrete uh, underneath their tracks. And so the, for a long distance here, you'll see these two trails run parallel to each other, and that allows uh, those different groups to coexist uh, really nicely. Um, we did purchase some land along here as well. So you see this pond here. This is the Gaddis Pond. There's some really unique natural features and there's a rest area there. So um, we did have some landowners when we were working to acquire this corridor. Um, some parcels uh, were owned outright. We had to go back all the way back to the 1800s when the trail, or excuse me, the rail corridor was purchased by the rail company. And some of those parcels had reversionary rights, meaning that when the railroad went away, uh, the rights went back to uh, the adjoining landowners. Other parcels uh, were um, owned outright by the railroad company. And a lot of those were then transferred to the Johnson County Trail Foundation and became part of this project. So um, all kinds of interesting things occurring along this the trail corridor, but let's go on to our next segment. Um, oh, I'm still at the first segment. So this is our first bridge. This is our large bridge and I'm gonna back up one slide if I can. This is our first bridge. This is Mill Creek, which is the major water source that fills, uh, goes into Lake McBride State Park. And right here is the, where it crosses. Uh, so for years, the railroad bridge had been removed. So when we decided we were gonna put a trail across here, the limestone bridge and the pedestrian bridge that exists out there really weren't sufficient. 
So we decided we we're going to add a larger bridge. Um, we took out the old piers that were in there, uh, redid all of that, and installed this beautiful new bridge. The great thing about our new bridges is that they have a 10-ton capacity. So if I'm out here running along and I uh, sprain my ankle or break something, um, we can get an ambulance down here. And so we have uh, some uh, emergency or first aid routes uh, built in with this trail. If somebody gets in trouble on Lake McBride, this may make it easier to get to them. So we're really excited about that. It also gives a beautiful view of Mill Creek uh, coming into uh, Lake McBride. And then as we travel north on the trail, this is a picture of that Gaddis Pond I was uh, telling you about. So we've got a beautiful interpretive sign there. Uh, people can stop and rest. You know, uh, if you think about a cyclist that's out there and they really want to get some exercise, sometimes it may be somebody that uh, using the trail that just is uh, doing some rehab, maybe had a knee replacement or a hip replacement, or um, maybe they're uh, getting older and they just want to get out there and, and do some leisurely exercise. This gives them plenty of places to stop and rest and maybe learn a little bit more about the area. So we've got a nice bench there, uh, a nice interpretive sign that talks about the wetlands that are in this area. Um, and we're really excited about all those things. And then this is a, a schematic. I don't have any great pictures of the trailhead, but this kind of gives you a schematic of the, the trail. So this is our large parking lot here at the Solon uh, Nature Recreation Area. Um, this is the round bar that exists there. We have a kiosk and then our trail goes uh, down the road here. I'm gonna keep cruising. Some of the things you see at the uh, kiosk or the trailhead, uh, Profit, uh, the Profit family that does a lot of work on the trail donated a uh, bike repair station uh, for the trailhead. Uh, we have a lot of signage. We also talk a lot about our conservation bond that was passed here in Johnson County. Um, I'll get to some funding um, at the end of each of the trails and show how important having that conservation bond was to be able to match other grants to allow us to complete all these trail projects here in Johnson County. So watch for that sign. And when you see that conservation sign, uh, thank your friends and neighbors uh, for helping us pass that because that's an investment in our community and it makes it even better. This is the kiosk we have at the trailhead. And I've tried to take a picture of each of the panels that are on there. But this is kind of what orientates uh, people to what's going on around the trail. So in the upper left-hand corner, I have a, a map of the city of Solon. Um, when we get visitors that come in by bike or uh, on a hike, we want them to experience our whole community. Uh, we want them to enjoy our businesses. So um, if you need to get to Big Grove downtown or uh, any of the other uh, restaurants in our downtown district in Solon, this will show you how to get there. We also want them to enjoy the history of the area. So we have a uh, history of Solon map on here. Um, it was very, uh, I don't know if it was comical or scary at the same time, but uh, before the pandemic even hit, we put the 1918 flu pandemic on this timeline. And then COVID hit for us. So it was kind of scary to see that, uh, that 100 years later, roughly, um, that hit uh, these communities again. Uh, and then we do our trail uh, history and we talk about the railroad and uh, the Zephyr uh, that came down here and was a, a transportation route for passengers, which is really cool. Uh, along the trail, you'll still see a lot of the old uh, telegraph uh, poles in the right of way. And we, we decided to leave those out there because they are part of history. And, you know, when kids think of, uh, you know, when I tell my kids, they can only go so far away from the, the couch with their phone. They look at me like I'm crazy. I was like, we had corded phones one day, kids. And so I like this history of being able to tell uh, about telegraphs and things like that. Um, the insulators, the, the uh, oil bottles that were used for some of the batteries along the trail corridor. And then the last sign we have is just of the nature recreation area. So you can find what ball fields the kids are playing on, um, et cetera. All right, and then the second phase of this it's kind of a straight shot. It starts the Lynn County line straight down. Um, then comes, this is all basically falls uh, adjacent to U.S. Army Corps of Engineers ground and runs parallel uh, to the Ely Road. Um, there is one road crossing here with 120th Street. And then we have another rest area down the road here. I'll, I'll pull some of those up. Um, so this is a bridge, just like the other bridges I showed you. This goes across the unnamed creek right here 
that dumps into Hoosier Creek. Um, and so, you know, this is really interesting. We look at that because, you know, we're right here at the Lynn County line. Hoosier Creek is actually uh, the Cedar Rapids or the Eastern Iowa Airport, which is our large airport, um, is in this watershed. So, you know, we have connections up there to Lynn County. So this, we had to put a little bridge in here and then we have the larger Lingo Creek come in here and I'll show you the bridge on that as well in a minute. So this is the Lingo Creek Bridge. So when you look at these bridges, these are prefabricated bridges. We bring these in on semis and they're then assembled on site and lifted into place with large cranes. And like I said, these have a 10 ton capacity. So uh, it's nice to see these bridges come in, um, get installed and then have them pour the concrete decks on them. It makes connectivity amazing when you think about it. Uh, when we look back at the 2008 flood, if we would have issues, uh, the Ely Road was one of the shortcuts between Cedar Rapids and Iowa City. This Lingo Creek Bridge is actually a little bit higher than the road bridge right now. So if we really would get into a crunch, this could potentially be a, a very important uh, bridge across Lingo Creek and the Iowa River Corridor. And there it is all put together, three spans uh, with a little arch lifted in with two huge, huge large cranes. We did remove, there were two old abutments in there but we want these rivers and streams to flow freely, um, not have any places for debris to get hung up. So we remove those and we now span the entire Lingo Creek corridor. And then our last piece that was completed this year runs from uh, the Pines Rest Area, which is, this is Army Corps of Engineers property. Then we get back into the right of way of the Ely Road. We go in front of this storage facility along Ely Road. Um, pass to the west of the roundabout on Highway 382 and then connect back in with Polk Avenue. So here's our large um, retaining wall in front of the structure, uh, the storage facility on Ely Road. This took a lot of work. There's a lot of water that runs off this uh, facility. And so we had to actually make a uh, water uh, detention, removal, transportation system to get the water away from the trail and the retaining walls. And so uh, to the left, then, then we do have a ditch where water can travel through. But this was very difficult and did take us some time. Uh, our secondary roads department um, and our engineers there were instrumental in getting this completed. They oversaw this uh, along with the road project that was going on uh, adjacent to it. So uh, very important for them to, to help us with that. So let's talk about the funding. This project is roughly a $6 million trail project. And we got roughly... Uh, $2,683,000 in grants, and this lays them out. So uh, we talk a lot of, about the time it takes to construct these trail corridors, but it also takes a lot of time to raise funds to do that. And we're very fortunate to be able to raise a third to a half of those funds uh, through grant opportunities uh, to help us locally. You'll see a large one here that isn't really readily available to everybody was this federal land access program grant. Um, and that was uh, occurred because we were next to federal uh, Army Corps of Engineers property and we could utilize those funds for this trail project. So uh, we work hard at that and we wanna show our constituents and uh, residents that, hey, these are here. We hope they'd build economic um, opportunities in the communities that they connect, but we've also really worked hard to stretch our local dollar with dollars from elsewhere. All right. So pop up, Emily or Sarah, if there's any questions, but we'll, otherwise we'll jump right into uh, the Mahaffey Bridge Trail. And this is, like I mentioned earlier, the same trail corridor that runs, or excuse me, the, the other trail corridor that we allow snowmobiles on. So because there is very few uh, links between Solon and North Liberty for snowmobiles and a lot of transportation, uh, across the Iowa River and the Corville Reservoir. Historically, this had been a snowmobile route. So when we came in and we built the, this trail corridor uh, in the right-of-way where the existing uh, snowmobile trail uh, occurred, we felt it was very important to continue to allow snowmobiles to use that. And so when we blow or push snow off, I should blade snow off of the Mahaffey Bridge Road, we push that onto the trail, which runs adjacent to Mahaffey Bridge Road. 
and that allows snowmobilers to, to visit spots um, on either side of the reservoir and visit those businesses that are uh, located along this route. I don't think I have anything else I need to show on that, but again, we'll go back to the funding. Um, this one did become a little bit more costly. Um, as you can see, some of the topography in here, this is uh, along the river. And so we have some very steep terrain um, and some very poor soils. And so when we were building this, we did end up having to spend a little bit more money to do some of the retaining walls along this section of the trail. And so um, it did cost us a little bit more, but again, we were very fortunate to get uh, some very important funds. Um, NPO, Emily uh, mentioned at the beginning of them helping support projects locally. You can see one of the first grants we got for this project was uh, a TE fund uh, grant, a transportation enhancement fund grant uh, for $177,000. And then that same year, we also uh, got a transportation enhancement grant from the Region 10 uh, RPA. And then finally in 2016, we got a TAP grant. And so we had a project that cost us roughly $2.7 million. And we had raised uh, through grants uh, $1,257,000. So very important uh, to be able to pull these projects off with these grant uh, fund sources. Without those locally, we wouldn't be able to do either the, the breadth of the projects we're doing um, or the quality. All right, so those are our three big ones that are uh, completed, Mahaffey, um, Hoover, and the Dubuque Street. Those are the three big ones. And then one that we've completed, uh, one of the first ones the Conservation Board kind of completed on their own. And then one that is currently um, in the midst of starting its next phase is our Clear Creek Trail. So this is the Clear Creek Trail, which runs from uh, Ireland Avenue, so the city of Tiffin. So if you look at this, you'll see the city of Tiffin up here in the upper right-hand corner of the screen. Um, Johnson County decided we want to start making a connection because the only connection between uh, Coralville, Tiffin, Iowa City, North Liberty, and FW Kent Park is Highway 6. Well, if you've traveled Highway 6, you know it is a very busy um, highway. We get a lot of truck traffic because of uh, the Amana plant um, in the Amana colonies, and then a lot of the warehouses that exist over here in North Liberty. Um, and so there's a lot of truck traffic. So we started to, to figure out what are we going to do to get people out here? Well, another corridor we had always uh, envisioned creating a green belt or protecting was the Clear Creek corridor. So Clear Creek starts over in Iowa County and eventually dumps into the Iowa River in Corville. So there was both uh, natural resource uh, intentions, as well as recreational intentions by uh, building a trail along here. So the Clear Creek, you can see right here, this is a 1.3 mile trail that starts at Ireland Avenue. And for this first segment, we have an easement with the landowner to have a trail corridor through here. And then the next 80 acres, uh, the Johnson County Conservation Board purchased. This trail is in the floodplain of Clear Creek. And so in the spring, it is filled with beautiful wild uh, ephemerals, spring ephemerals that are just beautiful to, to look at. And it also allows us to do some protection of Clear Creek and buffer uh, this uh, stream corridor. Um, we started this first segment in 2011. We actually, uh, I'll show you the REAP funding, but we got a REAP grant to complete this section of the trail. Um, currently, we are working on continuing, let's see, this is the railroad corridor right here. From here, you can see that there's a trail right here that comes out of Tiffin. We are working with the city of Tiffin on completing a trail connection from the railroad tracks all the way down to this, uh, to the current trail that comes through right here. Um, they hope to start that in the spring, uh, lay a box culvert through there and then pave the trail across the top of that. So at the same time they're doing this work, we are also, if we go back towards Tiffin and Corville, um, all of the trail work is completed up to the Interstate 380 um, 80 interchange. And we're hoping, working with the DOT, that Corville complete, can complete the last segment in 2024, 2025, 2026, somewhere down the road in the future. But uh, 
we're excited about that because that connection will bring people from Iowa City, Coralville, Tiffin, North Liberty, um, visitors all the way out here um, along the Clear Creek Corridor. And Sarah mentioned that you guys will be talking about activities along the, the Clear Creek uh, Trail um, in upcoming uh, sessions. So uh, I look forward to seeing that. Um, so this, we did, got a lot of work done on this. Um, this was a, a REAP grant, like I said, for half a million dollars, roughly. It was a $1.2 million project. Um, and that was the first big one the, the Conservation Board uh, took on. Uh, we did do some things that were unique in this uh, segment. We've got some rail car bridges in here. Um, not quite as wide as I would have liked. Um, they're not like the, the nice ones we have up on the, the uh, Hoover Trail, um, but they are unique uh, and they are a great way to recycle uh, old rail cars. So it's kind of interesting when you look at those. Let's go and look at where we're going with this one. So going the wrong way. So <clears throat> this is the segment we are working to start. And this is the one that uh, we're all very excited about out here at FW Kent Park. So um, <clears throat> you can see uh, in where my cursor is, is where the existing trail uh, goes. It roughly is 1.3 miles. Well, we want to complete uh, the last 2.5 miles from where that ends on Half Moon Avenue all the way out here to this big green blob in the corner, which is the 1,052-acre FW Kent Park. And once we get you out here, we can provide you with a plethora of outdoor recreational activities and additional um, off-road trails. Um, so out here, we have a ton of cross-country skiing trails. Uh, we have ponds for fishing, camping, all kinds of things. But right now, if you don't have a car, it's very difficult to get here. And as uh, we get more and more people that say, hey, we're getting to be a big enough metropolitan area. I have uh, public transportation options. I don't want to have a car. Uh, we want to make it easier for those people to still have the same recreational opportunities um, as everybody else. So, well, last year, the year before, um, I can't remember which, we uh, received a TAP grant, which will help us pay for, and I'll show you the funding here in a minute, pay for the engineering and design um, that we hope to start here very shortly uh, to bring the trail from Half Moon Avenue out to FW Kent Park. Now, <clears throat> this will be, there's gonna be a little bit of hard work in here. So the first segment of this, this is just an agricultural field, but there's a lot of drainage issues. We're adjacent to the railroad, so we'll have to address all that uh, water uh, movement that's coming off the railroad tracks and then how it affects the adjoining uh, agricultural land. We have to cross the railroad tracks here at Kobai Avenue. And then as we travel on the north side of the railroad tracks, we have a uh, large area here where we cross uh, Buffalo Creek. Buffalo Creek is a drainage that goes back towards North Liberty. And as North Liberty and Tiffin grow this direction, Buffalo Creek has become um, much more flashy when it floods. And so to address that, we're gonna to wanna to make sure that our the crossing that we have, the bridge, um, is as far out of the floodplain as possible to allow those floods to, to dissipate and pass through without creating damage to our trail. Then we're gonna to have to come up here and we're gonna cross another small unnamed tributary. And then we'll be utilizing the road right of way of Highway 6. Now that's great, but as I mentioned uh, at the beginning, Highway 6 is a very um, heavily used roadway. So this isn't something we're just gonna be able to cross at grade. Um, I don't see us uh, finding a particle accelerator to be able to um, phase people across. So we're gonna have to figure out some method and right now, the best method seems to be an underpass. And uh, we'll look at discuss that in a little bit, but um, that will take quite a bit of work. So with that and a large bridge, um, it'll be interesting to see um, how much this construction costs, but that's what we do the engineering des design for. So we anticipate getting into this, uh, start doing maybe some clearing and uh, tree removal, um, grading, to begin construction in maybe 2022. And so we are really excited about the opportunities that exist. So again, as I said, uh, we received a, a TAP alternative, a transportation alternative program grant. 
for roughly $337,000. Uh, the contract we're entering into now for the engineering design is roughly uh, $677,000. So um, you can see throughout these processes that we've worked really hard to get a large portion of our funding uh, for engineering design and construction to be paid for by outside sources. So uh, I want to open it up to questions. I thought I had another picture, but I must not have included it. I forgot to move it in here. I was going to show you a picture of the underpass, but <clears throat> that's where we're, we're at with construction and things that are going on. So um, do we have any questions out there? I'm going to kind of escape out of this. Um, People can submit um, questions Chats. you know in the chat or the q a um i one of the th nice things um about this presentation brad is that you know it's hard for us sometimes to describe to uh the public what the mpo is but what it is is it brings um these different communities the county and then coralville iowa city tiffin together um to plan for these things and they do take time and it is a lot of money transportation funding is often very uncertain from the federal level. Um, those TAP funds are one of the things that go through the MPL. And so it's all of a, a coordination between these different communities. Um, the elected officials come together to decide which trail segments will get funding in which years. And there's a lot of negotiation between the engineers of the different communities yeah. and um, our representatives on the RTBC. But also that, you know, a lot of these ideas, um, I like too that you touched on, you know, the historic uses by um, the snowmobile community that, you know, we take all this input from the public because we want these things to be useful. We want to be in the places where people want to go. So um, just wanted to add that to what you said, because I think yeah. it brings in a lot of pieces of all the planning that goes into these things together. It is. It is. It's. It's very difficult, as you mentioned, Sarah, um, coordinating with all of those different user groups because our main goal as as planners is safety and the enjoyment for all those groups. And so we we don't. You know, when people bring us different things that they want to do, um, we're always open to them. But we have to take a lot of work to make sure it's safe and it's done uh, properly, uh, so everybody gets to enjoy it. Um, and sometimes that means saying no to, to certain user groups in certain areas. And uh, that's hard. Yeah. So do we have some questions pop up there? Or? There is a question in the chat um, from Melissa. She says, love seeing all the plans. Can we as individuals do anything to help support and promote trail development and funding? Great question. Um, I would say yes. Um, you know, the, one of the big things is you'll see a lot of those grant opportunities uh, that are uh, up there are either federal grants or they're state grants. Um, you know, even the money that we get locally here um, that comes from uh, different organizations, you know, higher level government uh, things. And uh, we need support of those legislators to say there is demand for these trail corridors. There are demands uh, for these uh, alternative uh, recreational activities. And so uh, making sure those, those people fund those uh, budget, those line items down at the state legislature or at the federal level is uh, huge. And you know, this last year we had uh, roughly, I believe there was about a million dollars uh, in the state rec trails grant. There was, uh, I think, well over $20 million in requests. And so uh, we always far exceed uh, the amount of funding that's available that people are looking for to complete projects. And I'm gonna go back real quick to, to my, share my screen there, my PowerPoint real quick. I wanna go to the way back to my first slide. And I'm gonna give you guys, this is the, this is the inside to Brad's brain here. So my big plan. So if you see this, it kind of makes a couple of linear paths here. So um, the late Leonard uh, Boswell, who was a uh, legislator for the state of Iowa, and he was with the DOT Planning Commission, he mentioned these large connections. And at one time he mentioned that there was a huge, uh, for Eastern Iowa, there should be a huge uh, amount of work placed in connecting 
Cedar Rapids, which you see have up here, uh, one of the large tourist attractions and few uh, National Park Service sites we have in West Branch with the Herbert Hoover uh, Presidential Library and historic site. Uh, the cities of Iowa City, North Liberty, Coralville, and all of the uh, great um, activities we have, the arts, the music, uh, all the things we have, the, the literature we have in this area. And then over to the Amana colonies, which is a huge historic site. And then back up to, to Lynn County, or maybe onward to Marshall County or Marshalltown and Ames. But this big network, um, when, when I think of what we're doing or planning on, um, at the county level is I look at us as a backbone. I'm trying to create this, this big, from a very high level, uh, this, this very core trail system that then we know there are gonna be spurs that occur off of this. Um, as Tiffin and North Liberty grow, there's gonna be demand for other things. But we wanna really get this, this backbone piece, uh, the structure in place, so then we can build on that in the future. And so, that's in, in Brad's brain. You guys know the big picture now, the triangle uh, destination trail of Eastern Iowa that goes from um, the Cedar Valley Nature Trail and Hoover Trail on one leg across the middle of the county in Johnson County on the Clear Creek. And I don't know what we'll call this Herbert Hoover Two Trail, um, but then back to the uh, all the museums and everything they have in Lynn County. So. That's the big picture. Um, I don't know if I'll get it completed in my lifetime, but now somebody else knows and you guys can get it done. There was a, there's another question asking if anything will go east toward the Mississippi as um, I guess Viking is bringing in cruise ships in the next few years. <laughs> All right, well, um, going back to my share. So as you see here, so, uh, you saw when uh, Sarah announced me, I'm Brad Friedhoff from the Johnson County Conservation Board. So I'm kind of limited in the political bounds of uh, Johnson County, but you can see we're bringing everything in here to West Branch. Now, this uh, Hoover Trail is a part of two national trails, uh, the Great American Rail Trail um, and or the American Discovery Trail, whichever one you want to refer to it, this segment that goes from Ely down to West Branch, that segment is in both of those trail plants. And those are uh, travel across the entire United States from East Coast to West Coast. So yes, I have dreams of uh, seeing this travel to the Quad Cities, maybe down through uh, Muscatine and then back up to the Quad Cities. But it's very difficult for me um, alone to, to accomplish that. You know, it takes a lot of work uh, with Cedar County and other uh, entities to make that a reality. So when we talk about MPO of Johnson County or the Eastern Iowa uh, Council, uh, Eastern Iowa, help me, Sarah. Council of Governments. Council of Governments, there we go. Yeah, ICCOG. I, I uh, they are the big planners. They connect a lot of us smaller counties. And that's what we're looking for is regional assets. Um, you know, it's, it's sometimes very difficult when you're um, working at a city level or a county level to think beyond that. Um, and as a resident of Coralville, you know, I, I want to see uh, a lot of people come and visit our areas because it has a great benefit uh, to our community. When we didn't have uh, the Hawkeye uh, activities this fall, it was really kind of sad for me because I miss seeing all those uh, visitors coming to our community. And so I envision the same thing with this is hopefully we can see the value in this um, I don't want to send people to other states to recreate. Um, with COVID, uh, it surely has shown us that, hey, there are a lot of great things that you can do right here close to home. Um, and it, whether it's a day trip or I'm going to camp at Lake McBride State Park or Kent, State, uh, Kent County Park, um, I can do that. And there's all kinds of recreation I can do um, at the same time. And maybe I want a bike and uh, my partner wants to go and shop at the Coral Ridge Mall or go see a Hawkeye football game. Hopefully, um, with all the things we have in our communities, we can provide something for everybody. So there's another question, Brad, um, and you kind of touched on this already, so I'll see if there's anything else you want to add. How does county conservation work together with local entities to make sure planning is cohesive and resources are being utilized optimally? 
That's a great question. Uh, I think you see some of that right here. Um, it's the partnerships. It's uh, knowing uh, the individuals at the, the different planning organizations, uh, the different entities, whether it's Corville, uh, Cedar Rapids, um, whoever else we're, we're working with and coordinating that. Um, you know, <clears throat> this question is probably looking at it on a planning level, but we even have that when we were talking about maintenance. Um, when we talk about snow removal, say on the Dubuque Street segment of the Iowa River Trail, I wanna make sure that we're doing it very similar to what North Liberty and Iowa City are doing. Because for a trail user, uh, they don't know that it ends or changes municipality. Uh, they just want a uh, very convenient trail corridor that all looks the same. And we do the same thing with signage. Um, the MPO of Johnson County has worked uh, with us a lot of times to make sure that we have consistent signage along our trails because we may travel from Lynn County to Johnson County into the city of Solon and then into North Liberty and Iowa City. Um, and if we all have different signage, that's very confusing to the trail users. Um, and then we also work uh, at the regional levels and we try to um, get our ideas, our goals onto regional plans. And so when people are doing things, you know, we may be planning now and the those goals may not get accomplished for 10 years because they cost a lot of money and they take time to acquire land and, and all kinds of other things that are involved with that development. Um, but it's that goal setting, that planning that is so essential to that project. Uh, that Hoover, Herbert, Hoover Trail that I talked about, uh, you can go back 20 years and people were talking about it. And to see that become a reality now is very, um, there's a real sense of accomplishment there. And so that's how we try to work with all these different entities. I hope that answers that. I should say that one way that people can become more aware of um, how things are, are coming together over the next couple of decades, um, the MPO is, uh, uh, is about to kick off its long range transportation plan. It's something that yep. we're required to do every five years. And we're gonna be hosting some online events um, in the spring and, and through the next year. And you'll see what the different communities, um, the trail segments, as well as the roadway segments um, that they're proposing, um, that they're getting into the plan, which is what allows them to access some of those federal funds. Yeah. And so that will be an important thing for um, people to look at. And, and as, um, Brad talked about here, um, one of the sources they look at is the transportation alternatives funding. That funding typically goes to trails. Um, then there's another set of funds, um, STBG funds. Um, and those um, typically, they don't have to, but they typically go to roadways. But along our roadways, if we get what we call a side path, so it's like a trail, but a side path that runs along that roadway, it's in the road right of way, but it's adjacent to the road, not, not um, right at the, it's not a shoulder, it, it is a trail segment. Um, those come in pretty much with any, any road improvement that we get now. So, um, and sometimes, you know, it's replacing bridges so that we can get people over bridges more safely, but, or getting them some of the, you know, you've talked about the underpasses or overpasses, mm -hmm. those come in sometimes with the STVG as well. Um, so um, if you have liked our MPOJC Facebook page, um, you'll be getting updates about those opportunities to kind of take a look at what the different communities are doing. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say, I mentioned Sarah, th those are great opportunities because they also help us uh, prioritize segments. If we see there's a lot of demand, um, we work very closely with the MPO uh, JC to do trail counts throughout the community. They do trail counts, we do trail counts. And all of that data, that information helps us set agendas on what we need to accomplish. And sometimes you can have trail segments that will hopscotch another project because we're seeing a higher amount of demand in that area. And it seems like we need to get that one done sooner. Uh, or there's other uh, circumstances that will jump a project. But yeah, it's that, that data uh, and MPOJC does a great job of helping us collect uh, that uh, data from our communities. And so that's another really important uh, piece of the puzzle. And one important piece that you mentioned briefly um, is that um, the city of Coralville, um, I think right now the year Emily will correct me if I'm wrong. I think we're looking at 2025 right now. They have the funding, they have all the planning mm -hmm. done, 
but Coralville is just waiting for the go ahead from the DOT to get um, that trail that's going to go under the I-380 over um, exchange and connect to the Tiffin Trail, um, the, the Tiffin portion of the Clear Creek Trail, which then gets out to you at Kent Park. And so that's really an exciting opportunity yes. to make camping out at or fishing or whatever at Kent Park more of a um, part of a bigger adventure that you can um, pedal all the way out there. In fact, I think, and I hope I'm not wrong about this, but I was thinking about it this winter that you could be down at Terry Trueblood Park yep. and you could pedal all the way out to Kent Park. And except for that little portion on Normandy Drive where there are no cars because there are very few houses anymore, you can pedal all the way out there without being on street. That's yes. pretty incredible. Yeah. And that's that's the exciting thing that that we you know, want to see too is uh, you know there's there's a huge push for people to uh, recreate close to home and exercise close to home and creating these opportunities is is extremely exciting uh, you know I can't be happier you know people always ask us well what if uh, the trends change and we'll, we'll then we'll adapt that's what we've always done um, but uh, exciting to see where we're at right now. Yeah, I was thinking too, in the future, you'll be able to, if you're out in Tiffin, you can ride your bike to a Hawkeye game. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, and, you know, that's one thing we'd like to see is because of the Clear Creek and Manor School District, um, we'd like to be able to see uh, students that live in Oxford to be able to get on the bike trail in Oxford and ride to the football game on Friday night in Tiffin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that doesn't exist right now. Mm -hmm. All right, Emily, moderator, what, what else do we got? Hard questions? I see we have another question um, about um, thanking for the program and saying, can we rewatch or see the programs we missed? And we are working with Channel 4. They're gonna take all of these Zoom sessions um, that we're doing and they're gonna repackage them. And again, if you like um, on the MPOJC uh, Facebook, we will announce those as they become available. And, you know, if we really get a following, maybe we'll, we'll keep doing this, maybe not as frequently as every week, but we certainly want to engage people more with the trails. Um, like we mentioned at the beginning, trail usage is really up this year. Our trail counts were real up. Brad, I know yours yep. were up um, when we were out doing some, we were reviewing some signage for you um, way out on those trails near Ely Road. And um, it was surprising to see how many people were, you know, on those sort of far-flung segments, yeah. how many people were out riding and biking. And so that is another thing to bring to the attention of your elected officials, um, county, community, um, state, um, you know, that this is the trail system that has always, I think, been viewed as kind of like extra, like it's nice, but who needs it? Um, we do need it and we're making yes. great use of it during that time. Yeah. yeah, great point. And there's one other question, Brad, that I'll have you answer um, via email if that's all right, just because it's yeah. pretty specific in terms of direction. Okay, um, but are there, any other, are there any other questions out there? If not, I'd just like to let people know that next week's Zoom, we're going to have um, Sherry Proud and Alex Brumeyer from Coralville, who are going to talk about the Clear Creek Trail. Um, you know, new segments coming onto that, but then also um, they're doing some fun stuff um, in the winter. Um, they have some unique facilities out there for cross-country skiing and for all kinds of bicycling. Um, so they're going to be talking about that. And the week after that, uh, we will have folks from the bike library. And even if you don't bike through the winter, I really encourage you to tune mm -hmm. in for that because um, they have a lot of fun and are doing a lot of things to promote um, bicycling to diverse populations and getting people out there and really building self-confidence through bicycling. And, and you'll really want to tune in for that one too. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us today. Thanks to MPO Johnson County. Uh, for having us. And uh, like uh, Sarah said, get outside and enjoy today because uh, we don't always get this beautiful winter weather like this. Yeah, thanks so much, Brad. Um, it was great to have you on. And um, I know I learned a lot. And so if people have questions later or want additional information, please um, 
we're easy enough to Google, or you can go to the MPOJC yep. uh, fa uh, Facebook page or the uh, the website, mpojc.org, and we're happy to get you additional information or relay questions. So thanks so much, Brad. Bye, everyone. <laughs>